Global supply chain and logistics industry leaders gather, connect, and exchange ideas at IHS Market's annual TPM conference organized by the JOC. In our new podcast series, Beyond TPM, we keep those conversations going, taking a deep dive into critical, rapidly evolving topics and the insights uncovered this year at TPM 21. I'm Alessandra Barrett, the JOC's Senior Editor for Special Projects. Today I'm speaking with William Liu, Senior Vice President of Development for Centerpoint Properties. Thanks for joining me today, William. Thank you. When we last had a chat, it was at the last in-person TPM, which feels like a decade ago. Um, How have you been? How are things on the West Coast business-wise? I think things in the West Coast have been good for the industrial business. Um, Centerpoint as a whole across the country has shown really good activity. Our asset type has held up really well during the COVID crisis. But on the West Coast specifically, I think we're busier today than we've been at any other point in time. Um, Between the tenant activity, our new developments and our acquisitions, our volumes are up significantly across the board. Has the last year changed your development strategy? Any surprising strengths or rebounds? I think in general, Centerpoint has always been very focused on doing infill um, or developments in logistically advantaged locations, close to ports, close to intermodals, close to the population base. Our strategy remains the same um, during COVID and post-COVID. If anything, we're doubling down on our strategy. We're just trying to do more. We're just trying to find more land. We're looking at more creative assets. We're looking at more value add. Um, I think the one biggest change that's been positive is that with with some slowdown in tenant activity and probably Q2 and Q3, early part of Q3 last year, that's changed. Uh, Tenant activity, I would say, in Q4 and today is as strong as anything I've ever seen. You mentioned thinking creatively. Could you give an example of something that came up in the last year that pushed your team to think about things differently, maybe to problem solve new challenges or old challenges in new ways? I think there's a couple of projects I could potentially highlight. I think there's one where we're looking at doing a retail conversion um, and we're thinking creatively with the city because there's a loss of point of sales tax from their perspective. So we're looking to work with the city to provide impact fee to alleviate that condition. And the cities have quite frankly, over the course of the last year experienced budget difficulties. So in some instances where they previously would not entertain a conversion. Now they're at least willing to enter into a a conversation. And then uh, separately from that, just by thinking about projects in a different way, we're looking at more complicated sites that are in good locations, you know, sites with potentially environmental issues, sites with potentially entitlement issues. We're just trying to engage the municipalities and the potential land sellers in a conversation and just trying to solve problems that, you know, people haven't been able to solve in previous years because the, the land value is worth it today. How do you see the role of real estate providers changing over the next decade? And then a second part actually to that question would be, from your perspective, how has the new, deeper, broader awareness of the threat that disruption poses, how has that changed what clients need from properties? I've always saw the role of a real estate developer more as a service provider in some matters instead of strictly just as a landlord, because you're an integral part of your tenant supply chain. So you're a piece of the puzzle. You're not necessarily a standalone piece because your real estate only works if it makes sense from a logistic perspective 
and from a functional perspective. So from a real estate provider's perspective, you really need to understand what your tenants' needs and wants are, understand where you fit into that chain. And the more understanding you have, the better you can predict where you should be developing your real estate and what kind of real estate you should be developing. Um, and with the disruption that's been ongoing, supply chains um, have been significantly different post-COVID and pre-COVID. Uh, a lot of our potential tenants are using alternate ports. They're trying to find locations for safety stock. They're trying to find locations for trailer parking. They're trying to um, address issues of port congestion. Those all tie directly into real estate needs. If the port is congested, then they need real estate near the port. If they can't get containers off, they need trailer yards near the port. If they can't provide last mile service in this area, then you need to go find solutions for them in that area. It's really understanding their needs, predicting it, and tying up the real estate beforehand. Right. So one area where needs have certainly changed would be retail um, and certainly e-commerce. It's been a driving force of change in the supply chain world for a while now. But what impact are you seeing on leasing activity? In general, do you think the impact's going to be different going forward in any way? Or do you think it's just going to be more of the same? Uh, the impact of e-commerce can't be understated in um, industrial real estate. The fact that we have some of the lowest vacancies we've ever seen, a lot of that is due to e-commerce. And not just your direct e-commerce users, but the related users associated with it. So you have your e-commerce and related use. My guess is in the West Coast market, probably over 50% of the leasing over the last year. Um, people always think of the big names, um, but you have to think about the secondary names. Your FedEx, your UPS, your OnTrack, they're all involved in last mile delivery. And they're all putting up new facilities. And not just that, your 3PLs, um, your XPOs, and some of those other groups, they handle e-commerce for a lot of different tenants from your traditional e-commerce users to retail users, and they're all expanding. Because across the board, e-commerce activity has been up. Just forced by the COVID crisis, people are shopping more online. And most people are betting that that's a long-term consumer shift. So what, what makes a good or a great last mile facility? Centerpoint has invested in last mile development in the Los Angeles area recently. What can you tell me about those projects? There's two projects that we're working on that are in Los Angeles that we would consider last mile facilities. Um, there's one in Pico Rivera, we're doing a, a terminal uh, that's about 40,000 square feet. And that is immediately adjacent to the freeway. We're providing a benefit to our clients there by offering them unimpeded access to a new development site where their trucks, their vans, and their vehicles don't go by any non-industrial properties. So that's the key, is that the more traffic you have commingling with residences and with offices, the least acceptable that particular uses. And then we have another facility that we're under construction on in Santa Fe Springs, where it's about a 210,000 square foot facility combined with about 450 trailer stalls, about 20 acres of open yard associated with it. And, and that's going to be a, a, a very unique project, mostly because it, that's rare. It's very rare to get a brand new plastic facility and a bunch of trailer parking associated with it. And we think that's a unique asset. And trailer parking as a whole and open yard storage as a whole has gotten much more valuable um, for every single tenant type. Your e-commerce users need that extra room for van parking, for trailer parking, for automobile parking. Your manufacturers need that room for automobiles and employee parking because their employee counts are typically higher. 
and your traditional warehouse and distribution users need places to store their trailer because the ports of LA, Long Beach, Oakland, Seattle want those containers off the port as soon as possible because they're running out of space. When disruption occurs, whether port congestion, manufacturing delays, or an overloaded postal system, what are the ways that having chosen the right real estate solution could be said to keep business on course? What are the advantages there? When disruption occurs, it's something that a tenant needs to address immediately. So if you have the right real estate in the right location and it's available, often their options are limited. Um, so you can get, from a landlord's perspective, better terms, better rates. Um, and you have a lot more people looking at your particular asset, where if you were in a non-unique location and you don't address a specific need, often you're struggling to get one or two potential users. But you know, if there's a ton of ships backed up outside the port and you have trailer yards and buildings that can help alleviate problems for a major user, um, that's a deal you can do with somebody in two weeks. Looking ahead, any changes to the market that you're focusing on? I, I think in general, we're focused on the same markets and for the same reasons, which is we want to be close to the population base. We want to be close to the major hubs of transportation. So we're focused on building, um, buying, and managing real estate surrounding the ports of Seattle, the ports of Oakland, the ports of LA and Long Beach. And that's also, by happenstance, is where most of the people on the West Coast live. So those are the primary markets we're focused on. And we're, we're probably expanding our envelope a little bit. Um, we're definitely gonna be players in Empire. We're gonna be players in the Central Valley. Um, we're gonna be players in the Tacoma area. Um, those we all think are growing areas. And part of that is just due to the land constraint, due to the lack of developable land. There's just not much left in the infill markets. And let's see, what trends do you have your eye on for the next, say, five years? I, I think, one of the trends is just really understanding and getting in front of the changes, the logistics supply chain that um, some of our user tenants have. And I think the, there's going to be more diversification in the ports. Um, the Port of Oakland right now just got their first protocol service. That's something they've been working on for over a decade. And I think that's, that's an interesting shift in saying that there's a shipper that's willing to bypass LA Long Beach, go directly to Oakland, go to Seattle and go back to Asia. And separately from that, the other trends in real estate we, we really try to get in front of really relates to energy efficiency and green building. Um, as California continues to move forward, I think there's gonna be a lot more regulations related to diesel emissions and particulates. Um, so what we've been doing right now is trying to get in front of that by future-proofing our buildings, by making our buildings ready for solar, by putting in the infrastructure underground to allow for um, electrification, by working with the agencies and the cities and the electrical providers to try to see what we can provide to tenants, not just in terms of you know, automobile electrification, but in the future for vans, for trucks, for line haul trucks. I think that's all going to be happening in the next five years. There's a lot to look forward to. Well, thanks for joining me today. It's been really great to hear your outlook. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it. I've been speaking with William Liu, Senior Vice President of Development for Centerpoint Properties. Thanks for listening. This episode is sponsored by Centerpoint Properties. Beyond TPM is a production of the JOC, part of the Maritime and Trade Division of IHS Market. For more news, analysis, and business intelligence, for all things shipping and logistics, visit joc.com 
and follow us on social media.